All right. Well, let's stand as we give reading to God's Holy Scripture from Revelation chapter 6. We're going verse by verse uh, through the study of Revelation. And right now we're in chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. In verse number 1, we read, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bowl, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and the power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death and Hell followed with him, and power was given unto him over fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Heavenly Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week we were in chapter 5 and we looked at Revelation 4 and 5 and there from Revelation 4 and 5 we saw as the word of God is very clear uh, that the church is now is in heaven. The church has been raptured out. The church age has come to an end as we see in Revelation chapter 3 with the church of the Laodiceans. And so when the church was raptured out, John said, after this, I was caught up into heaven. And there in heaven, he went into heaven, and a door was open in heaven. And the door that was open in heaven led him to the very throne room of God. Amen. And there upon the throne room of God, there were the beast that represent the gospel, the angels were there, the seraphims, and uh, there was 24 seats. And on those 24 seats, there were hundreds of those that uh, represented each one of those seats and the elders that led in those seats. And the number of uh, those that were represented as the 24 elders could not be numbered because they numbered in the tens of thousands times thousands times thousands. And John asked, well, where did all these people come from? And he was told they come out of every nation 
every kindred and every tongue, and they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and God has made them unto himself kings and priests, and they shall reign with him here on earth. And so make no mistake about it, the church is now in heaven, and they are now witnessing the tribulation period as it begins here upon the earth. They are rejoicing because the Lord is now preparing for his coming to earth. But before he can come to earth, the wicked of this earth must be punished. And God wants again, God once again will bring Israel back into his program. All of this is going to happen uh, during uh, the first phase of what is known as Daniel's 70th week. And so we read in Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Notice in each one of these, the invitation is to come and see. God would have us to understand what he is going to do in preparing this world for his soon coming. The first horse and the rider upon that horse represents what is going to take place after the church has been raptured out. God is going to give to a man, we don't know who this man is, but God is going to give him power and authority. But this man is not for God. This man is against God. This man is the Antichrist. But make no mistake about it, he would not have that power unless God gave him that power. And God gives him this power. And God gives him the ability to conquer the world in a peaceful way. To establish peace upon the earth. But we understand as we get to the second writer uh, that that peace will soon be taken away. Now, the Word of God gives to us understanding because we can take this passage of Scripture and we can interpret what it has to say by going to other passages of Scripture that are related to what John has been given. Remember, Isaiah made it very clear that we are to study the Word of God line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Peter said that no prophecy has been given by any private interpretation. And so we have an interpretation, and we have it from Zechariah. Notice in Zechariah chapter 1, verse number 8 through 11, again we read a similar prophecy. I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him there were, there was, 
as we see here, a red horse, a speckled horse, and a white horse. Then said I, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle tree answered and said, These are they whom the Lord hath said to walk to and fro throughout the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord that stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the earth, and behold, all the earth set it still and is at rest. So at this time, the earth will be at a place to where there is no war, there is no bloodshed, the earth under a leadership that God has granted will live for a short period of time under peace. And so these angels were told to observe, and uh, they are now ready to take rest from the earth. They are ready now to take peace from the earth. Now we see more of this when we move to Zechariah chapter 6. In Zechariah chapter 6, verse number 1 through 5, we read, And I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came four chariots out from between the two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of brass. In the first chariot was red horse. In the second chariot, a black horse. And in the third chariot, white horses. And in the fourth chariot, grizzly or bay, or we could say gray horses. Then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said unto me, These are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. Now we have to look to the scripture to find out what these four spirits represent or what these four spirits uh, mean or what they are symbolic of. And we understand as we look to the scripture that they're symbolic of a worldwide judgment that is going to come to the entire world. And it's going to be focused at Jerusalem, but it's going to spread throughout the entire global planet of this earth. It's going to be during a time of great rest. And God is going to take the rest from the earth, and he's going to bring severe judgment upon the earth. As we read these horsemen and these chariots, as we read about the horses, we read about the angels, we keep coming up with the number four. The four represents something very important that we find in Scripture. When we're through with Revelation chapter 6, we go into a parenthesis in Revelation chapter 7. The parenthesis explains what happens in the first few periods of tribulation during Revelation chapter 6, as we would understand that period being in reference to the apocalypse or the writers of the four 
horsemen. So we see in parentheses that explains Revelation chapter 6, verse number 1 through 3, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt not the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Amen. What this is symbolic of, while this pseudo-peace is being established, as we go back to Daniel chapter 9, we understand that there is going to be peace that will be set up between Israel and the world. And Israel will once again be allowed to build their temple and to worship in their temple. But in three and a half years after this peace treaty has been established, the Antichrist will then go into the temple and desecrate the temple. And that is the beginning of Daniel's trouble or Jacob's trouble called the abomination of desolation, which we understand and know that was spoken by Daniel the prophet. So the church is raptured out. During this time of peace, Israel now has entered into a covenant with the Antichrist. They have torn down their walls of defense, and they are now living peacefully among the nations. And God now is going to do what he had promised way back, when we go all the way back in the Old Testament scriptures, where God had promised that he would use Israel to bring in the kingdom. And so God, as we understand through the apostle Paul, during the time of the fullness of the Gentiles, Israel's eyes will be opened. They will be brought out of blindness. And God, out of his mercy and grace, will seal them with his spirit. In Joel chapter 2, where God promised in the last days that old men would dream dreams and young men would prophesy that God is going to fulfill and bring revival to Israel and 144,000 Jews will have the name of their Messiah stamped on their foreheads. And during that first three and a half years, they're going to go forth preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Amen. But all of this is going to come to an end as we come to the middle of the tribulation period. When we get to Revelation chapter 11, we will see more of that. So the four winds represent what God is going to do. And during that period, God is going to prepare nations to rise up against nations. We understand the four winds are symbolic of the kingdoms of the world that are going to be raised up to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. In Daniel chapter 11, verse number 3 and 4, we read... 
that a mighty king shall stand up and shall rule with great dominion, that would be the Antichrist, and do according to his will. And he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken, he shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven, and not his posterity, nor according to his dominion which he shall rule, for the kingdom shall be plucked up even as others besides those. So God makes it very clear that this kingdom will be a short-lived kingdom, that God is going to pluck it up, God is going to destroy it, God is going to use nations to rise up against nations. There's going to be war. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be disease. And God is going to crush the kingdoms of the earth. He's going to crush the rule and the reign of the Antichrist. And King Jesus is going to come and reign on earth. Now what's important is all of this is to bring us to the mind, or God wants to call us to the mind and the understanding that this old world needs to understand, and we need to understand that it's not going to exist the way it is. That global devastation is coming. And God would have us to know and understand that this is going to happen. And God has revealed it to us. We read over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1 through 3. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So what is the Lord saying? The Lord is saying, well, we live in an age where there's war, and while there's fighting, and while there's all kinds of corruption, a world that is filled with heartache and sorrow and displeasure, that that world is groping in the darkness for one day that they may come to a time of peace. But that peace is not going to come. But when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. But we're not ignorant of that. And we're going to be taken out, by the way, before they say peace and safety. Just cross that out of your thinking by coming to that understanding. Well, before the Lord comes, there's going to be peace and safety on the earth. No, there's not going to be peace and safety on the earth until we are taken out. And then after we are taken out, and then there's going to be peace and safety. See, when the rapture takes place, the world is going to be a much different world. And uh, they're going to have to have someone explain to them what has happened. And to make sure that they don't understand that those Christians had it right all the time while they mocked the idea of the church being raptured out. And we being delivered from the destruction that is coming, God is going to send to the world strong delusions. And when God sends to the world strong delusions, those that have heard the gospel and those that refuse to receive the gospel 
will believe the lie of the Antichrist. And by the way, there's many people in the world that has heard it and refused to receive it. But those that have not heard the gospel, and we have millions in China and other places in the world that haven't heard, God is not going to allow them to be deceived. And they're going to hear, and a multitude of people out of every nation, kindred, and tongue during the tribulation period is going to be saved. And we read about that in Revelation chapter 7. And they're going to be saved as a result of the Jewish nation going forth and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord. Now we understand this because the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear that before we are raptured out, here's what we can expect. Jesus is talking here about the age of the church before Israel is brought into Daniel's 70th week. He's talking about the generations of time before Daniel's 70th week comes upon the earth. And we read about it in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, concerning the discord or the Olivet discord in regards to his second coming. And Jesus makes it very clear before his second coming, there will be rumors of war. Nations shall rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. There will be false prophets that will arise and shall deceive many. And iniquity will abound and the love of many shall wax cold. That's what's going on today. We have earthquakes all around the world. We have nations rising up against nations. We have it going on right now with Russia and what's going on there in Ukraine. China and what's going on there in Thailand. We understand that we're living in a very unstable world. We have Christians that are being hated and despised. In fact, the FBI is investigating Christians right now that are speaking out against the LGBT and against public schools for allowing their teachings to be brought into the schools. And they consider these Christians to be radicals and a threat to peace. And they're investigating them because they believe that they may bring harm and hurt to school officials and school faculty. That investigation is going on right now. Any parent that goes to a teacher's meeting or to a public school meeting and speaks out against the LGBTQ movement, their names are being recorded and you will be investigated. If you don't believe it, check it out. Go to any website and do a search and you'll find out they're right now investigating. We also understand that the central banks are getting setting up right now. It's very important that we understand that the world standard for currency is going to become a digital currency. They're wanting to do away with cryptocurrency. They want it not to be privately run or privately owned, but to be run and owned by the government and by the world central banking system. 
And it has already been reported that once they set up this digital currency, they're going to control what you buy and what you donate to. And if you decide that you want to give to some organization that is a threat to world peace, they'll shut down your banking system. They'll take your funds away from you, and you will have to make an appeal to get that account opened back up again. If you don't believe this is true, check it out. This is all going on right now. They want to move away from a cashless society. We're getting all set up right now for Revelation chapter 13. And if you want to donate to a church that preaches against anything that goes against the grain of what this world is trying to get under their agenda set up, then you will be canceled out. We are living in a day and time, and we've all understood, we've all been hearing about the canceled culture. The canceled, canceled culture. Well, the canceled culture, people that are behind all of this, and there are a lot of movie stars and big-name actors and a lot of big-name politicians, they're trying to get it set up where someone runs for public office and they do not follow the agenda that this world and this nation wants to follow, then they will not be allowed to hold that public office. They're going to have to follow whatever mandates this world has set up. We are living in a very communistic society that is going to do everything they can to choke out Christianity and bring in a one world government. And we have the socialists and all the radicals out there. We have them in office right now. We have them right now in the White House. And they're moving toward that direction. And they don't care how much it hurts you. They don't care about the freedoms that you're going to be losing. They don't care about your amendments or your rights. Uh, you have the Bill of Rights. They want to rip all of that up. Our Constitution, they want to destroy it. They want to rewrite the whole thing. And it's right there in, Revel in Daniel chapter 8. The Antichrist will change Seek to change everything. Well, you know, when we sit around like the old proverbial ostrich with our heads buried in the sand, we will have no idea how close we are to his coming. Amen. Notice in Revelation chapter 5 and 6, we have uh, the third horseman. The red rider, he takes peace from the earth. But the Antichrist is still ruling. He doesn't take his crown. He doesn't take his authority. He doesn't take his power. He takes his peace. And the Antichrist allows it to happen because he wants it to happen. And so <clears throat> we have the third writer. Now here's where it really gets tough. And so when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and behold, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts. A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see that thou hurt not the wine. The way most Bible students interpret this is that a day's wages will be inflated to the point to where You'll have to work for almost eight days to earn enough money just to buy food for yourself. Some estimate that you could probably work as many as 16 days to 
to earn enough money to buy enough bread for one person. That's how bad inflation is going to be. Did you know that in New York now they're paying as much as $10 a gallon for gasoline? In Los Angeles, they're paying $8 a gallon for gasoline. Right here in the Coachella Valley, you're going to pay at least $6 a gallon for the lowest grade of fuel to put in your car. A year ago, our president said that this was only going to be short-lived. Yesterday, he said, no, it's here to stay. An economist on Fox News said this morning that the inflation that you're seeing right now is the beginning of a hurricane that's coming. That there's an economical hurricane of inflation that's coming to our country and to the rest of the world. And we are not prepared for it. When it costs $10 a gallon, and there are estimates that it could go as high as $12 a gallon, and they want to do that because, after all, the world is heating up, and we've got to stop it. We need more electric vehicles, but the number of electric vehicles we have right now, they're saying well, we're already going to experience blackouts. In the Coachella Valley, when it's 120 degrees, because people are charging their electric vehicles, there's going to be more blackouts than ever before because we don't have the infrastructure set up to prepare for all the energy that it takes to charge up those batteries. They don't care. They don't care what you're going to suffer because they have a global agenda. They don't care the economical inflation and the heartache and the sorrow that is put upon you because the rich are very rich and they could afford $100 a gallon. They could afford to pay $500 for a loaf of bread, but you can't. And so the Bible says the rich will not be hurt by it. The rich will only become richer. James chapter 5, verse number 5 through 8 says, You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and had done not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waited for the precious fruit of the earth, and had long patience for it, for he receiveth the early and latter rains. Be you also patient, establishing your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The Bible makes it very clear that we've been living a good time. We've been enjoying it. While the unborn babies are being killed, while our children are being sexualized and being sexually abused and adopted out to gay couples and turned into little sodomites, while all this is going on and there are others that are just silently accepting it and they're allowing it in their churches, they're allowing these gay pastors to stand in their pulpits, the lesbians, the gays to sing in their choir while they have no respect for the word of God, he said, for the rest of you that are patiently enduring my coming, just hold on because there's going to be a great reaping. Just stay faithful. The rich will get richer. The poor are going to suffer. But you stay faithful. We see what's going on in the world. You see what's going on in the grocery stores. But this is only the beginning of what's coming. 
but it's coming very soon. We've already been warned by economists that know nothing about the Lord, but they know a lot about the economy, and they're telling us a whirlwind is coming of inflation. And that brings me to my last point, the pale horse. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death and hell, followed after him, or with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the field. Wow. Here we find when the fourth beast comes, and God unleashes the winds to blow over the four corners of the earth, and authority is given unto these angels that walk to and fro to bring such devastation upon the earth through killing, through famine, through pestilence, through sickness, through disease, through war, and through hungry domestic animals and wild beasts to where one-fourth of the world's population will be wiped out. I don't know how many Christians there are in the world. Let's just assume that there's one billion people in the world that's going to be raptured out. That would leave about six billion people left behind. Can you imagine as many as two billion people being killed in the first half of the tribulation period? How horrible. To think of the devastation, to think of the starvation, to think of the wars. Some of these wars, Bible theologians believe we can read about over in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. It is, it's understanding here that we get from the scripture that the first half of the tribulation period is not going to be a time of gentleness. I don't know where these people get this idea that the first half of the tribulation period is pre-wrath. I don't see that in my Bible. There are many things I don't see in my Bible that many people come up with. And we got pre-wrath. Where do you find that in the Bible? I don't see pre-wrath in the tribulation period. It's all a period of wrath. It's all a period of judgment. But I want you to understand the first half is man bringing about his own devastation. The last half is when God brings about the devastation. We haven't seen anything yet, and yet it is coming. Now all of this is happening. This estimated just in the United States alone, there's more than 80, or pardon me, 800 million pets. You can imagine once the church is raptured out, you can imagine with inflation setting in, the starvation of animals, these poor little animals running loose. And they get out into the wilderness and they run with the coyotes and they run with the wolves and they run with the other animals. How much dangerous the world is going to be. Men killing men. We hear about shootings every day. Well, you know, you can make all the laws. There's 450 laws on the books right now. 
every time a shooter shoots somebody, he's violating at least 450 laws, and yet we keep making more laws, and they want to take the guns away from us. Well, God didn't ban rocks from Abel. There's always some way. I mean, why don't we ban these utility knives? That's what they use to bring down the towers. Uh, you put, I mean, man wants to kill, man can kill. And the killing's going to continue until the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, comes. What's important is you better make sure you're not left behind. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 5 through 11. For you are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also ye do. There are several things that God wants us to notice. There are a lot of so-called Christians that are sleeping during the day. There are a lot of so-called Christians that are drunken during the day. There are a lot of Christians out there that say they're Christians, but they don't live the Christian life. They're not watching. They don't even care to watch. It's completely oblivious to them that the Lord could come at any moment. In fact, they are of the attitude that it's all nonchalant there you go preacher talking about that stuff you've been talking about ever since I've been listening to you and most not all but most just have a you know a kind of a oh oh what is he going to be doing with that message I'm so sleepy I'm so tired he's just putting me to sleep with all that that's the attitude they sleep while the message is being preached they sleep while the trumpets are blowing they sleep while the sirens are going off. They sleep while all the signals are out there. But because they stamp Jesus on their heart, they think they're going to go to heaven, but he's not in their heart. Because they have him on their head, they think they're going to have, go to heaven, but he's not in their mind. They don't live according to the mind of Christ. They don't have the heart of Christ. They have the heart of the Antichrist. They live like the world. And God has warned us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 11 and 12. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions. That they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned. Why? Because they believed not the truth. But they had pleasure in their unrighteousness. Mark it down. You call yourself a Christian. And you're living in unrighteousness and you're having pleasure in unrighteousness. And you sit there and you say, I don't agree with that preacher. 
I don't agree with his attitude toward the gays and lesbians. I don't agree with his attitude on abortion. I don't agree. And I've had him get up and walk out of the service because of what I preach. And they call themselves Christians. I've had them even stand behind this pulpit and teach a Sunday school class and walk out. I know what I'm talking about. You could be one of them. And you sit there, you live in your sin, you live in your ungodliness, you get mad at me because I yell and I scream because I love you and I care and I'm trying to warn you. God has called me to be a watchman. Wake up! You say, preacher, I'm here. Well, where are you on Wednesday night? Where are you on Sunday night? How come I never see you out on visitation? Who have you invited? Who have you told about the gospel of Jesus Christ? When was the last time you opened up your Bible and read it beside here? I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, well, do you read your Bible every day? Well, I will. I won't say what they were reading. But we're going to read the Bible. Will you read that? You're not reading the Bible every day. You know, we've got to be careful that we're not deceived in thinking that we're something that we're really not. Because if Christ saves you, there's going to be a change in your life. We can sit here and we can say amen to what's going to happen. But when we bring it into our lap and say, well, you sure you're going to be here? Are you sure you're going to be there? Where are you going to be? Well, I don't know, but I think you better know so. Notice he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9 through 11. This is so important. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor the abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you have been washed, but you have been sanctified, but you have been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know what that's saying? You don't live there anymore. Don't tell me, oh, he's a gay Christian. If he's a great Christian, he's not living the gay lifestyle anymore. He's a former gay, but no longer. He's repented. He's come out of that. Don't tell me, oh, well, you know, I dab a little bit in pornography, but who doesn't? Don't tell me that you can sit there and let your mind get in bed with some stranger and satisfy your lust and your passions while you sit there and watch that pornography and you think that you're a righteous saint that's going to be raptured out? You see, when God saves, he delivers us from that lifestyle. Oh, yeah, you might slip into it, but you're going to repent and you're going to come out of it. But if you stay in it, then there's something wrong about your salvation. Don't get angry with me. I didn't write this. God wrote it. Let me just bring this one final point out. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 11. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, 
which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. There's a tribulation. Are you keeping his word? When you open up your Bible and you read it, and God says, here's what I want you to do. Are you keeping his word? Do you even spend time in his word? Well, preacher, you know, I, I come to church on Sunday morning when it's convenient. Well, according to the word of God, we are to exhort one another in so much today as we see the day approaching. I remember some years ago we had a lady at our church by the name of Betty Davis. She was here for just about every service. She had stage four cancer. She was undergoing chemotherapy. The doctors told her you need to stop going to church because you're going to expose yourself to whatever germs those people have. And you could die as a result of that. She says, well, I'm going to die anyway. I want to make sure when I stand before my Lord, I'm okay. And he said, well, you need to stay away from the church. And she said, well, would it be okay if the preacher opened up the office door and I stayed away? I got there before the people came. I left after the people go. Could I go? And he said, well, if you're willing to do something like that. But who does that? Well, she did it. Back then, the offices were over there. And she'd come early, and she'd park herself there in that office. She'd crack the door so she could hear me preach. She'd wait for everyone to leave, and then she would leave. That's how much she loved her Lord. That's how much she loved her church. And then we have people can't come because they got an ingrown toenail. Oh, preacher, I can't come today. I got a little bit of a cough. I'm going to stay home. By the way, I may stay home for three or four weeks until I get rid of this cough. You see where we're at today? Wednesday nights, the church is almost empty. Sunday night is at least half empty. And yet the Bible says we're to exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching to keep his word with patience. But why is church important? Because the Lord meets with us. Because the Spirit of God, when the preacher stands up here and he preaches the Spirit of God, if he's anointed of God, God speaks through him. If you don't like what I'm saying, if you don't like the fact that I'm raising my voice, then you're, what you're simply saying is, I don't believe God's speaking through the preacher. Well, what if he is? What if I've labored for several hours in this message and I prayed and asked the Lord to give me anointing, but Lord, calm down my spirit. I don't want to ruffle their feathers. I want to be nice. I want to be loved. And the Lord said, no, you're going to be a preacher I want you to be. What kind of a preacher do you want? You see, we're living in the last days to where they don't want that kind of preacher. And what have they done? They've heaped to themselves teachers having itching ears. And what have they done? They've turned from the truth and they've turned to fables and to lies. And they're told, you're okay. You're okay. Well, preacher, I've had Jesus in my heart, but I'm still gay. I still live the lifestyle. Does God still love me? Oh, yes, he loves you. He accepts you just the way you are. And those are the kind of preachers that they're heaping themselves to. I want to ask you a question. Who do you love more? God's word or yourself? With every head bowed as we stand to our feet.